hey guys welcome back to divine healing by d today i have on scott clover he is an intuitive energy healer based in new york city he helps people connect to their own energy so they can learn to heal themselves he's a certified practitioner of focalizing it's a somatic based technology for changing your body's energy patterns for areas such as trauma relief anxiety and positive creative issues he told me he loves to help people who are creative that are dealing with a lot of trauma in their lives he's been leading workshops he teaches classes at uh, not limited to the new york city lgbt center regarding topics of self-acceptance reducing judgment and intuitive energy healing he's studied energy medicine and we're going to talk about uh why we're not going to use the word exorcisms but energy clearings uh he has like a note dogmatic approach to uh healing so it was really interesting to get his insight on that and how we were thinking a bit differently there so uh you'll hear it soon and yeah here is scott hope you enjoy him while you're still here and listening thank you so much i really appreciate you just wanted to pop in and talk about mary ruth's i talk about their gummies non-stop to everyone and anyone who'll listen to me what do i take i take the b12 sprays i take the uh gummies as well d3 vitamin d3 is really really important i just started taking the liquid zinc and i'm taking biotin and it tastes like acai berry and it's delicious so why don't you try them as well you can dm me for a discount or go to mary ruth's and use code mary ruth at checkout for a discount enjoy them and let me know how you like them a healer when did i know i was a healer um when I was in middle age, as they say, it was pointed out to me that I was psychic and I had been sort of ignoring that part of my existence for a long, long time or keeping it at bay. Mm-hmm. And so in trying to figure out why I was able to pick up as much information as I was uh, acknowledging that I could, meaning I'd spent a lot of years not acknowledging that part of my brain or not acknowledging that energy or doing things to keep it at bay. And mm-hmm. once I leaned into it, it sort of fell on top of me. Um, and it took me a couple of years to get out from underneath it, I would say, just because of the magnitude of, of what I was dealing with. And so in doing that, I had my archetypal chart read um, mm-hmm. and was working with someone. And most of my archetypes leaned towards the healing arts and using my abilities to see stuff to help other people heal themselves. So... I spent several years working with masters and healers and different people that I respected um, to really get a strong base in my, not only intuition, but my sense of self and get into my body and and be able to stay grounded. Because I think that's paramount when you decide to share energies with others or, or utilize a skill set like ours to help other people. It's, It's sort of imperative that we have clean fingernails if we're going in to do some work that that metaphor so i spent several years sort of honing my skills and and sort of somatically getting back into my body 
and able to use those skills. And then I sort of put my shingle out. And that was about seven or eight years ago. Now I've been seeing clients. Seven. Wow. So you describe yourself as non-dogmatic. What does that mean exactly? It means I, I consider myself an energy perceiver. I see, I see and sense energy fields and energy patterns. So there's not a lot of dogma attached to math, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a lot of the belief systems out there that heal people have a dogma attached to it. And that's great because you're harnessing a power. And what yeah. I'm doing is more visualizing and then explaining what I see in metaphor to the client so they feel it in their own sense of self or in their own bodies. So uh, there's nothing dogmatic about me perceiving energy. I see. Okay. And do you do these in person or can you also do healings over the phone? Like, Can you sense the energies over the phone? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, no, it's mostly phone calls. Um, phone calls. Since okay. COVID, since phone, since COVID, I went 100% over the phone. I used to be about 50/50, um, and then when COVID hit, I was uh, switched to to phone now. So, yeah, that doesn't uh, distance, geographic location, uh, that doesn't have a factor in in me able to sense someone's energy. Awesome. Okay, and you do. And you're very open about doing exorcism. So why do you think that well, scares people? That, that word has a lot of baggage attached to it. That's yeah. why I also don't <laughs> yeah. use the word. I, I don't. I live. I live in Manhattan part time, and that's why I don't use the word psychic either. In mm-hmm. uh, you know, on my business card, because right. that word in in Manhattan in my neighborhood has a different context. And yeah. so it, it's intuitive and it's energy, meaning I'm using my skill set to see and sense energy patterns. So um, uh, exorcism is just, there's a pattern of energy, whether it has a consciousness or not, it has a reason to be there or in, and a reason not to be there. So that can work in a home or an office space. I do a lot of like office clearings and space clearings for homes and new homeowners and things. Um, but then I also work with clients and, and do that in, if in, in and around their bodies. Mm. So similar principle. There's thought patterns that get stuck and coagulated in our bodies, and there's thought patterns that get stuck in homes. And someone like me, you could call me a psychopomp, which you can Google what that is or Wikipedia, but it's essentially someone who can sense souls that are stuck. And what I do is since I see it as an energy pattern, that okay, that energy pattern is a soul. Well, a lot of energy that's stuck don't have a soul. They have a thought pattern. They have a reason to be there. And so if I'm healing and into helping a client heal, a lot of what I'm sensing or seeing is a thought pattern I that see. gets stuck or, or repeated in the body that gets held on. And then it, it takes on like a mini personality, if you will. But those wow. are two different things. Okay. They're different. Okay. And how do you, what are like the biggest signs that someone needs to have one done besides their just regular thought pattern? Because, I mean, you could say a lot of people just have these fixed thought patterns and they go about their lives and they're, they're looked at as like old-fashioned, like just stuck in the old-time kind of people. But like how do you know somebody really needs an exorcism? 
Well, once again, that word, as I said, carries a lot of weight to it. So, it okay. was, so that depends on what you're referring to. I mean, exorcism in like a Catholic sense, that yes. carries a lot of dogma. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm helping people do. I'm helping that's people clear me. their energies. You can call it an exorcism. You can call it an mm-hmm. energy clearing. You can call it a space clearing to make it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, more palatable. But it's really just sensing energy and then asking it to leave and if you vibrate with it on a certain vibration it's like a communication network and you communicate with it or i have the client communicate with the the energy if it's like stuck in their bodies and that can be stuff from their childhood that never grew up like childish thought patterns that just got constricted and never were allowed to grow up or it can be thought patterns that come through generational lines or come through patterns in your family it can also be a soul pattern that comes through your past lives. So once again, you have to be a little more discerning to just say, oh, you can't just blanket and say it's an exorcism. Uh, no, it's, an, it's, a, it's a regulating of energy or a harmonizing of energy, or it's an acknowledging of energy that doesn't belong somewhere and asking it to get the heck out of there. I see. Okay. Do you see yeah. what I mean? So. Oh, yeah, you can call me an exorcist if you'd like to, but that, (laughs) once again, carries a lot of weight, and it scares a lot lot of of people. It doesn't scare me. It's it's part of, as I said, my archetypes to to help Mm -hmm. out in a way that I don't get intimidated by an energy pattern or a spirit or something that's crossed over because I want to meet them where they're at. I want to have some compassion Mm -hmm. that they're there for a reason and help them unkink that hose and move on to another plane of existence, if you will. I see. So where do ancestral spirits come in? Well, finish that statement. Where do they come in? How do, yeah. So how do they, I'm trying to, (laughs) trying to let go of the dogma here, but, if somebody, let's say we have, let's say you have a client and that person comes to you and says, "Hey, I feel, I feel cursed or hexed in a way. Nothing works out mm-hmm. for me. Um, mm-hmm. My energy is heavy. I'm depressed. I'm sick. Like, I can't lose weight. Things like that." I got um, it. And they know that they came from, let's say, a long family line of people who practice black magic. How do you pick on that? Well, you recognize that there still is a link or a bond, and then you help the client decide what, how they want to relate to that bond. If it was imposed upon them as a child, then they didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. So you help the, the, the person understand they have a choice, whether they want to bring that into their fields or not, almost like a tendril of energy that gets connected to us. And do you want to be supplied by it for knowledge or do you want to disconnect from it completely and then be more autonomous knowing what you've known having been connected to it? But a lot of times it's a first chakra link. And if it's familial, you know, Mm -hmm. we have been trained over generations because we needed big farms and we needed a lot of people to work in our families. And just in the last two or three generations, that's changed. 
So a lot of people are breaking out of that first chakra connection to say, oh, I want to feel more independent in my spirit or connected to a spirit or spirit, if you will, energy, um, in a way that's not so tribal. And that tribal bond then has to be renegotiated. I see. Okay. And I've always, I'm I'm a little confused on how many generations things can last. Is there like a set time limit on, let's say if like one family member does something terrible and it it follows is there like a generational like a number of generations that it affects or is it just based on I've I've heard over the years I've heard different denominations 7 14 yeah. I've heard a lot of those things 15? and it's just how many I've heard 7 14 I'm not going to give you oh, a number cuz I don't quite see it right. that way in right. that sometimes they can jump generations Meaning one person can't be affected by it, but it can still it can still be in in the pattern, if you will. Um, and another thing is is it has to have a lot to do with the belief of the person that it experienced it initially. Mm. So if you're a great 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 I don't know fourth generation back grandfather mm-hmm. was shamed in a certain way, uh-huh. and he swallowed that shame and then had kids, his, their kids are going to vibrate and understand that there's shame as part of the family. And so they mold themselves around their father's shame. And it, it takes on a slightly different mold in each child, but then that molded shame gets passed down from generation to generation, unless it's, it's either seen or, or not taken care of, meaning it doesn't have to transfer to every person in the in the family tree, mm-hmm. but if the child is receptive and the child wants to take their parents' pain away, which a lot of us empathic children think that that's our responsibility, then it can really harbor inside a small child and then ch- change inside them. So, but it really has to do with the impact of the original person. <clears throat> and that has to do with hexes and curses, as you mentioned. If the person really believes that they were cursed, mm-hmm. then the curse can be continued. That has a lot to do with belief or faith. And so curses happen in, in generational families back. They're not, they don't, they're not so common these days. But okay. if you're from different parts of the world, if, if, if you come from a certain part of the world, um, they took on different incantations or different versions of, of curses in different parts of the world, say Eastern Europe, North Africa, um, the islands, they all took on a different subtle vibration of how those curses would work. And I use air quotes just now. Um, but it has a lot to do with the person believing that they're cursed. Mm, so a lot of it is belief. Belief on the person that was originally impacted. And so if that was four generations ago, then if I'm working with a client now and you find or we find that something happened, as I said, a few generations back, then you just you explain to the client that they have belief that they can excise themselves or release or detach from that family belief. And once that happens, then that connection kind of withers. Okay. Good to know. 
Um, mm-hmm. So what? So what's your like bread and butter? Like, who do you love to help the most? Is there anything that you really love about any aspect of your job that you love the most, or method? It's or interesting anything? you say that. Yeah, yeah, because I I work with a lot of trauma release, a mm-hmm. lot of helping the the child feel safe in their bodies in adults. Oh. Um, but one of the things I, I really enjoy doing is helping adults engage with their childhood imagination. Oh, I love that. And so that can be with using visualizations and metaphor, which is how I communicate mm-hmm. what I'm able to see and sense, is I, I communicate it to the client in metaphor or allegory. And then let them use their imagination and connect to the imagination because if you're helping someone heal from trauma mm-hmm. and you engage the imagination – their nervous system a lot of times doesn't know the difference between real life and imagination. So if you can engage wow. some of these energies and use some of these somatic technologies that I use with the understanding and the intention that the imagination in the adult is engaged, then their nervous system has a better chance of, of regulating itself. Oh, so that's one of the things I like. So the other thing I like is work, working with creatives, singers, oh. artists, um, uh, painters, whether they have artist block or writer's block or they want to expand something and they want to move to the next level. You know, we are all judged as children for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And if you self-expressed through art as a child, a lot of times that was hindered by your peers. And so I really enjoy helping artists sort of overcome some of that judgment they may still be holding in their bodies from when they were children um, to really let them roar, really let themselves sort of, what I'd say is dry their butterfly wings off. Oh, that's cute. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, with being a healer, obviously you have to do a lot of cleansing. You have to take a lot of time for yourself. What are your favorite ways to cleanse yourself, ground, like your best tips? Oh, that's a great you? question. Yeah, um, I'm barefoot as often as I can be, particularly outside, mm-hmm. connecting to the earth. Um, salt baths, okay. sleeping with salt by your bed. Um, when I work with clients, I, I just put some on earlier. I put clove oil um, or uh, diluted clove oil on my spleen chakra. Ooh, okay. For a lot of us empaths, we pick up a lot of our psychic energies through our spleen chakras. So I right. cover that up and I wear a lot of silk. When I silk? Silk. It helps negate psychic energies. So if you're oversensitive, um, put on a silk scarf or silk underwear or I find silk sweaters at vintage stores and stuff. Um, That's cool. And I wear those a lot when I work. And it's it's that setting the intentions. Hey, I'm going to protect myself. Just like when mm-hmm. you go outside, if you're fair skinned, you you might want to put on a sunscreen. Right. If you know you're going to work with energies, or you know you're an empath, and you, you know, as you said, you're you're from New York as well. I would put in myself in a bubble before I would go on the subway because there was a lot of people around and I didn't want to pick up what they were, what they were throwing out. So <clears throat> it's setting the intention before you engage helps out a lot and using that. those what, subtle rituals. Yeah. And what do you think about um, covering your crown chakra, like wearing hats and things like that? It personally bothers me. 
um, mm-hmm. sometimes, especially if like I was hiking the other day and I really liked the woods I was hiking in and I had a hat on and I took the hat off just because I didn't like what was the, that covering it up. Um, okay. But I think you can do that, it, but it's easier to do that with imagination. It's easier to imagine a barn door or a large garage roller garage door and you just shut it down when you don't want to overfeel. For a lot of people that overfeel at night, you just mimic that you're shutting your barn door from above and you close down your, your crown chakra and hopefully you can sleep a little better. Hmm, okay. Just a lot of visualization. I do the white light. Yeah, I mean, I whatever you think, yeah, whatever you think works for you, but white light is then illuminating things. And for a lot of us, we spend our days picking over, picking stuff up. So it's really nice to shut ourselves down for a while or close ourselves off and stop feeling for a while so we can reclaim. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So uh, you have a few, I mean, testimonials here about like stories about what you've helped people with. Can you share another story? Anything really interesting for the listeners that you helped uh do a clearing on anything you'd like to share? Sure, I won't get overly personal to a specific client, right. but I will sort of, of sort of cr- create a subtle amalgam of of how the work works, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, just because I like to respect boundaries as much as I can, um, which is important for all of us. Boundaries is one of the things that I work on a lot with people. Of a lot course. of empaths, yeah. their their boundaries, you know. Um, cause them more damage by being too open. Right? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, but shells work both ways. So you want to have a permeable shell, right? You want to have permeable mm-hmm. energy so you can be more discerning with this. But I was recently working with um, a woman in her 70s, and she had gone okay. to sound baths and, and healers and shamans and all these things. And yet she was getting visitations at night and she wasn't feeling safe in her body anymore. And so she said, she was referred to me to a, to a client. And, um, you know, essentially what it was, was her mother grew up in a religious sort of cult-like environment and it was Uh very shame ridden. And there was sexual abuse in the family of the mother. And so yeah. this woman, unbeknownst to her, in her 70s, is still holding shame in her body from something that happened to uh, her mother before she was born. Right. And so no one, she said, oh, my gosh, you know, she started giggling and, and tearing. And she said, no one, you know, no one has picked up on that before. And it has a lot to do with you know, lung issues and people that have gone through COVID, we hold a lot of grief in our lungs. Yes. And so when you, if you get a respiratory infection, it engages a lot of that grief. And a lot of the grief we feel isn't from us, it's from our family members. And so COVID brought up for people a lot of coughing and a lot of mucus. And that brings up some of these stories in habit in our lungs and they're grief ridden. And so one of the things I can do is help people release those muscles and release the energy and visual, through visualization, et cetera, and noticing where and why it's clogged. But letting the grief go 
that you experienced for yourself and then mimicked from your family, that's a big one for people of late. So all those things can factor in and they can pop in at any time in your life. Yeah, a lot of people you can are be not sensitive aware of to something. Correct. A lot of people are not aware of the why. And that's why it's different to work with someone, you know, as an intuitive, as it is to work with, say, a talk therapist, because that's, that's coming at it from a different perspective. It's coming mm-hmm. at it from sort of above, whereas I consider what I do is we come at the root from below and try to push the root out and expose it. And once it exposes, then you have a choice of what to do with it. But if it stays buried, talking about it is only going to keep repeating and, and letting it burrow in deeper. Very true. Oh, a lot of, just to think about all the people who are dealing with something like that and the need to want to help them. <laughs> well, and that's another thing for empaths is, is yes. you, you should desire to help the people that ask. Exactly. A lot of times we overextend and then we get depleted and then we don't turn out as well or we don't have the energy to supply our own lives with things because we're overcaring for people who haven't asked us. That is true. And that's happening that's happening a lot with the war now is you people's grandparents lived through I had some clients a few weeks ago whose grandparents had lived through World War 1 and World War 2. Mm-hmm. And they are experiencing this differently than people who didn't know their grandparents that that went through that, right? So they're experiencing the war from a, a more intrinsic level because they knew people that it affected that w- how bad war can affect people. But if you didn't know your great grandparents or your grandparents, then you may not mm-hmm. have. Ex- experience what's being in the media on the same level. Right. I see what you mean. Okay. Right. Very true. And uh, so you've had strong energetic pulls to different places in the world. Can you tell us more about them and like what it meant for you when you went there? Oh, sure. Well, there's just certain, you know, just like we have chakras in our body, the earth has chakras. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, or large buildings, uh, historical buildings have real potent energies. Um, there's places where they monolithic structures have different energies about them because of how they were created. And I don't know how they were created, but sometimes when I feel a monolithic structure, it, it just has more integrity and more technology involved in it than just say a rock that was carved. Um, so we, as people have been drawn to these, like Mount Shasta is one of those, um, certain places in Europe, uh, the, there's hot springs, natural hot springs anywhere in the world generally. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's really fun if you're energetically sensitive and, and you're into water, which a lot of us, water is very calming. And so one thing I like to do is go to the various hot springs and wherever I'm at and whether they're, they're old school ones that have been there for hundreds of years and the water's been coming up and they've been utilizing it for healing, or it can just be, you know, spring water on the side of the road, but there's places around that have different energies. Sure. Um, what is it? There's uh, 
Tulum, New Mexico, mm-hmm. the tip of the peninsula there. They have um, they they have some monuments there. And I went there and I shook like a leaf when I got in there. There was so much wow. vibrating. Or there's um, in New York, in Manhattan, on the Upper East Side, I think there's Cleopatra's Needle. Okay. And one day I one day I climbed up there and put my hand on it, and uh, all I got was like the sense of honor. I don't know what the hieroglyphics meant. I don't know if anyone is exactly sure, but it felt like displaced honor. Like obviously it doesn't belong where it was, no. but the intention <laughs> behind it felt very honorable, and I thought that was really cool. Because like that was when I was first sort of reclaiming that I could feel and sense energy. Um. And that's for a lot of people, you know, try it out. Maybe you have psychometry. Maybe you hold something and you can get a sense from it. Maybe you remote view and you see energy that happened in the moment or you saw energy that's happened in the past or you'll see it in the future. Um, We all have different varying degrees of these skill sets. Whether you accept them and are quiet enough or to sense the subtle energies, um, that's for us all to decide on our own. Have you ever, maybe, this is just what's coming to my mind, did you ever in maybe past life regression or hip, when you go under hypnosis, look into those places? Maybe you had some kind of like past life connection with those places. That's why you're so drawn to them. Um, I know that there's a couple places that I've had past life connections to and it felt differently. Like there were places I had to go to. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't, I just didn't understand why, or there was like a hill that I've walked over and then realized I've walked over that hill before, even though I'd never been in that country. Um, that's a little bit different than like the vibrational energy. God. Um, yeah. So there, they, it's, it's, it's picking it up. It just depends on how do you calibrate your satellite. And since I've been doing this now for, for a while, I, I really try to be curious and, and ask what is the energy trying to inform me of? Don't judge the energy, be curious. And when you're curious, then the information flows to you easier and is easier metabolized. I see. Okay. So best tip is to be curious. <laughs> Let's be curious. Yeah. And not... All right. That's interesting. Okay. So if anybody wants to book a healing with you, session with you, how can they find you and listen to you? Do you have any more podcasts? Oh, sure. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my website is scottclover.com, uh, my name. And then I do have a podcast uh, two seasons up, and I'm working on season three. of. It's called the Intuitive Energy Podcast. And I talk about a lot of the stuff I talked about today. I just expand on it a little bit in each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talk chakras and we talk patterns and vibrations and we talk about the Kabbalion and a um, whole bunch of stuff. So I appreciate you having me on. This was really great. Of course, not. This was real. Thank you so much for your knowledge and your time. And I appreciate you. And good luck with everything. We'll be in touch, okay? Yeah, thanks a lot. Take care. Bye.
Okay, so you guys know that I love podcasts. I love anything from health, wellness, spirituality, uh, psychology, the works. I'll listen to anything. And you know I love the Skeptic Metaphysicians podcast. I was a guest on it. It was a lot of fun. And if you need to go back and listen to the episode, you know where to find it. But check them out. Skeptic Metaphysicians. They have the most interesting people on just just full of knowledge i hear about topics that i'm not really that familiar with in regards to spirituality so if you like my show and i really hope you do because you're listening please go and check them out skeptic metaphysicians Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.